0: have to function like this as a church. We need to, as a church, function like this. We can't come back on this comeback, not focus on being ret- restorers. God don't do all of this for us to go, we're back, hallelujah, praise the Lord, God kept me. See, that's selfish. If I hold on to you and blessed you, protected your back, surrendered you from being touched by Satan, when you come back, be restorers. Because everybody trusted God like you. start a new series of messages on its time. I understand the variances are high, understand the difficulties that are there, but we have to get God's church rolling again. And I'll explain in this text today how we do that within the confines that God has placed us in. So I want you to turn your Bibles to two places. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, turn them to two places. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 18. I know the context of this passage starts earlier on in verse 16, but I want to take the church apart um, in these next several weeks in Bible study doing the book of Acts, on Sunday doing this series on It's Time. And then I want you to look at Ephesians and just kind of go to Ephesians and plant your uh, piece of program in there, but not the pastor's corner. It'd take time to write that thing. (laughs) So scratch out some, take a a piece of something else, but stick it in Ephesians. And uh, I want you to do one other passage of Scripture, get your third hand and put it in 1 Corinthians. And when you find that, Let us stand after you found those passages of Scripture. So Matthew chapter 16, then we're going to go to um, Ephesians, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. And I'll try to stay there so I don't have to hear, he just turned to so many batches and he goes so quick. (laughs) I can't keep up. So we're going to try to manage it that way. Let's pray. God, you're a great God, and sometimes Satan creates so much noise, we stop listening. So much noise in our homes, so much noise on our jobs, so much noise in the community, so much noise in our government, so much noise everywhere, and so, God, your voice gets drowned out, and we start listening to ourselves, our feelings our own wisdom, our own understanding because we get into survival mode. And God, you keep telling us we're not here to survive. We're here to thrive productively. So God, we pray that you will guide this series. You would bless it, whether it's this service, 11 o'clock. So we ask you to bless Pierre as he leads that message so that we could understand why we are being tested and how we come out of this better than we went in, more focused, more productive. So, that like the New Testament church who've been through a whole lot more than we did, we will become more productive like they did, not less productive. We will be like the man told of Sanhedrin, God, if you leave the Christians alone, they will dissipate. But if you keep fighting them, they will grow. They got better, God. Help us to be better. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and let's look down to verse 18. This passage just started in verse 13, but for the sake of this message and this series, we're going to look at verse 18. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not... Overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. We'll get to Ephesians later. You may be seated. When I was a boy growing up, I um, used to get mad on Sunday mornings. I used to get mad on Sunday mornings because we had devotions and you get dressed in your church clothes and you couldn't move. You couldn't move. You put on your church clothes and you didn't have a shirt on when you were eating breakfast. Dad is doing devotions. Then you put your shirt on and then you get in the car. And I'm the seventh child of eight kids. So you get to sit on the hump of the car. Anybody remember the hump of the car? You sit on that hump of that car. You you, got to sit forward because there's ten people in a four-door car. That's how it was. And while I'm driving out in the garage, uh, crossing, we had a little bridge, a little trench there, and then there's a bridge, and we cross over that bridge. All my friends are in the yard playing. That made me so irritated. My neighbors, our neighbors, didn't go to church so they were out playing they were having a ball they were having a good times and they're telling me all about what they're going to do on saturday with a whole lot of chores on saturday because they have to get up and do all these chores and then not until in the afternoon you get this break and then you get to play and then you got to come in for dinner and and they're telling you man tomorrow we're going to do this tomorrow we're going to do that and you're literally seeing it as you back out they're having a ball and i'm sitting in church and the smaller kids had to sit next to the parents had to sit next to the parents, and in Guyana, South America, you were not allowed to have long pants on until you're 12. So my mom, if you misbehave, would slap you on the inside of the tie, of the thigh, right there. Up to today, my kids know if you want to get dad instantly mad, slap him right there. Uh, he'll get mad in a second. My mom used to go pow. So you're sitting next to her. And she's sitting right here. My dad is right there. And my brother, who is smaller than me, he's having a ball. She put me next to her. And if I misbehave, cause he's doing all kind of stuff. So she feels his movements through me. And she would slap me right there. I was looking forward for a long pants forever. I remember those days. And I, would, I can't tell you, I just jumped up and was excited about church. And many times inside of my heart, I would ask, why church? Why well, I got to go to church? I get beat up. I miss fun. Can't play in the churchyard because you got on church clothes. And if you messed it up, you're dead. You are literally dead going to church. You get killed. Why am I doing this? And it's interesting that it never left me. It never left me as to why church. It became a passion to study this whole thing. Seminary gives it ecclesiology. Why does God make such a big deal? And now today, we live in a culture where everything is on Sunday. They don't want us to be here. a matter of fact, I was looking at the football movie about people getting head injuries. And in the midst of the movie, the guy says, oh, we own Sundays now. Church don't own Sundays. We own Sundays. And he's right. Whether we like it or not, he is right. It's no different than in the day of Christ. Say, oh, yes, it was. No, it's no different than the day of Christ. Where did Christ find Peter them? Fishing. Where did Christ find Matthew? Tax collector, the toll booth. They weren't the church people. They were the non-church people. At Pentecost, they would look at them and say, who's these men? Who do they think they are? In other words, they're not among the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. They're not among the Sanhedrin. He's a non-educated guy standing up here talking. Jesus Christ came in a time when the temple was so corrupt, he would turn the tables upside down. He came when Pharisees and Sadducees did a lot of corrupt things, calling it the temple, when they were building themselves into making much of money. And that's about all they focused on while they try to get the people to do what God says. And Christ, in the midst of this chaos and the midst of all that he's doing, you would think he would say, come to Jesus and let's stop doing all of that because it didn't do no good for you. No, he says, no, let's talk about this rock. Let's talk about this rock in the midst of a pagan society, because Jesus Christ, where he's standing, teaching this passage, there is a whole lot of pagan temples around. Because what they would do, that's why the Jews hated the Gentiles, is because they would come into Jerusalem, conquer Jerusalem, and then when they pay their taxes, they will build their temples to their gods. So instead of building churches or temples to, to Jehovah. They would build it to their gods. So that's why they hate them for taxes, and they would hate the tax collectors as well. Not just because they would take their kids and make them work in the fields to pay taxes, but also because when <laughs> they pay the taxes, they go build these temples smack dab in Jerusalem. That's what you have today. And that's why there's so much infighting on who owns Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jesus Christ stands in the midst of all of that mess and says, let me tell you, the thing you need the most is this rock. Come on, Jesus, you don't understand. We need more Pharisees to be better. Fix them. Fix, (laughs) fix Fix these Sadducees. Fix them high priest. Come on, fix them, Jesus. Don't just turn the tables upside down. And whip. No, 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 Jesus Christ. Go in there since the Bible says as, a, as Jesus the Christ, you would have a zeal for the temple and take your zeal and turn it upside down and stand in the middle of it and preach. No, I'm not going to do that. Jesus Christ, come on, man. You're the Christ. You've been healing people, doing all these massive miracles. Change it now. No, that. I'm talking to you, and you will build this rock. See, folks, we come to all this chaos and we see all that is taking place and we look around and we want Jesus Christ to fix it the way we say. And Christ is saying, no, the way I'm going to fix it is the same way I fixed it in that day. Even when I was done, it didn't, still didn't seem fixed, but it was fixed. That's why you're here today. And that's why he comes and he says, we can do church where we just come sing and go home, or we could make this the most powerful organism on the known planet. We could come to church and we could put in our time to get to heaven, or we could bring some heaven on earth by the way we put in our time productively. So Jesus Christ is saying, yeah, I see all the uh, the COVID and Wars and rumors of wars, and I see all of this coming. I see all the problems. I'm telling you it's the last days, but I'm still telling you, here is the answer to it all. We just don't see that anymore. We just see this church. We just see, we even think, we call this church when it's worship. It's not church. It's worship. It's, it's like saying, because I sat down and had dinner with my family, we had, di- we had family. No, we didn't have family. We had dinner as a family. But we didn't have family. We even relegated the church to Sunday morning. The minute you start telling people, let's get past Sunday morning and make this a critical part of your life, people ain't got time for that. Our young adults even question, why I got to go to church? See, there was a time when as African-Americans fought through the church, today they fight not even asking about the church. Why we got to go to the church leaders? We matter. Forget the church. That's where we are today. And Christ is saying <laughs> You have to understand that everything is movable, but the church is unmovable if you do it right. Everything is movable. Politicians are going to change. <laughs> There's going to be somebody's going to win the gold medal and not a year as somebody else does. See, you can. Buy a house and not too long ago you move. You can buy a car and then it gets old and you switch. Unfortunately, some people want to switch wives and husbands. People want to move away from their own families. People switch jobs. People switch doctors. The Bible is saying it's one thing you can't switch up because it's the rock of everything. And I want us to take time as we walk through the series to understand that without this being productive, we ain't got no mess that you could see right now. You could take it for granted. You could push it to the side. You could say, I ain't got time for all that stuff. And the Bible's going, that's good. That's fine. No problem. If you want to do that, that's fine. But you don't want to change what I'm going to do. It's, it's like the sermon I have preached on, you could f- neglect the Word of God, don't want to deal with the Word of God, but in Proverbs 13, he's, verse 13, he says you're still going to be accountable to it. You could not even want to open your Bible. He said, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to hold you to it. You can't tell me what to do with my Bible. That's why he says this, folks. Look down to verse 18 of, of Matthew chapter 16. I say to you, Please understand why Jesus Christ now speaks. He asks a question. The first question he asks is Who do they say that I am? And obviously, the disciples were listening to everybody else but to him. And he says to them, because they've been on boats watching him say, Peace be still, people raised from the dead. They've been seeing the manifestation of who God is every day. So you would think no matter what they were hearing, they would know this is the Christ. But it still couldn't know what is the Christ. When God reveals that to Peter, after God reveals that to Peter, then Christ speaks. I like that. You could go right past that. And the Bible is literally saying, he, what he's saying, he's going to continue to say. And he's saying, what I'm saying will never stop being said. Because what I'm saying is always going to be what I'm going to say. I'm never going to change saying what I'm going to say. Because what I'm saying is always needs to be said. Because what I'm saying is what needs to be said no matter what is being said. No matter what is being said, this is it. And I can only say it after my father reveals it to you. Watch this carefully. Watch this carefully. He says, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I built my church. Now, he's playing with words here. Peter, Petros. Rock, Petra. What is he trying to say and why would he say that? Now, there's a whole lot of debate in, in theologians and stuff uh, about these different things. But to, uh, to me, in spite of all that I've heard and all that I've read, it comes down to this rock is not Peter. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4. The rock is not Peter. It's upon this rock... It's upon this rock. So when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, he will tell us very specifically who is the rock. He says to us that Jesus is the rock. So it's not Peter that's the rock. It is Christ that is the rock that, is, that, is, that he's going to show, show, show us in 1 Corinthians supposed to be chapter 4, verse 10. No, that's not correct either. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what he says. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, he says, According to the grace of God that was given to me, like a wise master builder, I lay a foundation, and another is building upon it. But each man must be careful how he builds. No one can lay a foundation other than the one that was laid, which is Christ Jesus. The person who is the foundation to everything, the person who would lay everything and make sure it remains solid, is Jesus Christ. So Peter is not the rock. Christ is the rock. What he is saying is, you announced my name to be Jesus the Christ because God revealed it to you. Since God revealed to you that I am the Christ, then on that revelation and the fact that God is establishing me as the person upon which everything will be built, I am the rock. But Peter, you are going to establish the foundation. What does that mean? Peter, you're going to build on that foundation because at Pentecost, you're going to tell everybody, you'll be the one who preaches the message. God decided in spite of 11 guys standing here that mean something, Judas is there, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Judas is just there for the money. So, so in spite of the fact that these 11 guys are here, I'm going to add Paul later to serve the church, God has decided to call you to be the leader of all of them. And God is going to put that on you. So since God put that on you, you will be the one to preach at Pentecost. So even though you may turn your back on me, Peter, do you love me? You gotta preach. Peter, do you love me? You gotta preach. Peter, do you love me? You gotta preach. At Pentecost, you will be the one that kickstart the church. And when Ananias the fire come and lie to you, they will die. Because you will be the one that will be recognized. When it comes to Cornelius, going to Cornelius' house, I'm gonna send you to Cornelius' house to include the Gentiles, because it's upon you I will establish the leadership of the New Testament church. But you cannot do it unless you are revealing to you. What's revealed to you is God's Word through you, It's what God is saying through you. And until God does that, you can't speak, Peter. You can't talk. Whatever you say doesn't matter because you're going to say Elijah and all these different people. But when God touches you, you will say the Christ so until you receive the revelation it is is exactly what you see in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes and lands on them until you see this illumination take place exactly what happens the Holy Spirit comes tell Peter he is the Christ on Acts chapter 2 Pentecost Holy Spirit comes tell Peter what to preach Peter preaches 3,000 people join church the same day because Peter what happened to you right here is going to happen to you again and what is going to happen to you again is a revelation of God and when a revelation of God comes, it's through the Holy Spirit that's my helper. And the Holy Spirit who's my helper will give you the illumination to be able to lead the church. But you cannot do it unless God establishes me as the head of the church, the church being my body, because I am the rock. Please hear that. You cannot design church outside of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You cannot design church outside of Christ. The minute you try to redesign the church to be whatever you want it to be, the Bible is saying you just messed it up. You made it wood, hay, and stubble, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look down with me to verse, uh, verse 1 wouldn't hurt you. It wouldn't hurt you. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you may, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. Nobody can say that Jesus Christ is wrong when God is leading them. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit so Peter could only say that because of the Holy Spirit that's why it's a rock the revelation is the rock upon which the church will be built who is the helper of the church of Christ the Holy Spirit he says in verse 4, he says, Now there, now there are a variety of gifts with the same Spirit. There are variety of ministries. The body has bones. The body has capillaries. The body has nerve endings. The body has all these different plasmatic things attached to it. The Bible is saying all of those things that make the body ministries— So you have the gift of encouragement, the gift of help. What is the gift of encouragement? An emotional thing. What is the gift of help? A hand thing. What is the gift of knowledge? A brain thing. What is the gift of wisdom? An eye thing. The Bible is saying, I'm putting together my body. The anatomy of the body is put together with ministries that are inspired by the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit uses to make the ministries come to life. He's saying when these ministries come to life, in verse 6, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons, He's still revealing like He did to Peter. He's still exposing to the Holy Spirit like, just like He did to Peter. He says, he says and verse 8, He says, and no, verse 7, He says, and to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common what? The church can't become any good if the Holy Spirit is not a part of it, if the Holy Spirit is not something that we do productively and effectively for the glory of God, that's why he's saying when these things are in place, what you have is something Im- immovable. you got the Holy Spirit operating. you got Christ giving the ministries that the spiritual gifts fit into. You've got the spiritual gifts working by the empowerment of God. When the empowerment of God is working the spiritual gifts, it blesses everybody. He says when that is happening, it's a rock that nobody could move because the, the entire Trinity is engaged. You could quench the Holy Spirit, you know, in a church. Let me take it to one out of passage. Keep your Bible in the three I gave you up front, but you know Paul Cannings always has one more. So you shouldn't be shocked, disappointed, or trying to figure out why he's doing this. In 1 Thessalonians, we could kill the ministry of the Holy Spirit by the way we operate. And what do people need now? They need spiritual gifts. They need encouragement. They need wisdom. They need to figure out what to do. What does the Bible say? That only comes from the empowerment of God. What do people need today? Help. What is a gift? The gift of helps. What do people need today? The Bible says people need knowledge that is biblically based. That only comes from God. So what we are looking for, for the common good of the community, the common good of our country, the common good of the world, he says the only place that that could take place is something that is immovable, the church. In other words, you can't function without this. You can't find wisdom without it. You can't find knowledge without it. You can't get help without it. You literally cannot get the gift of healing. You can't get healed without it. Call the elders together and pray. An effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. You can't even be healed without it. If you get COVID, can't be healed without it. And he said, well, we got doctors. He says, oh, well, go talk to the king in 1 Chronicles where the Bible was in verse chapter 16. Oh, you want to depend on the doctors and not call on me? Well, let the doctors help you then. And he was dead. The Bible says the gift of healing is here. You can't move this rock. It's immovable. Even if you ignore it, it's still going to need it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 14, he says, we urge you, brethren, he says, respect leadership from verse 12 through verse 13. That's how you live at peace at the end of verse 13. If you mess up leadership, there ain't going to be no peace. Verse 14, he says, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, and always seek after that which is good. who, who, Who develops good? God. Good could only come from God. He says, for, every, any, for, for one another and for all the people, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Prayer must be an active part of your church. In everything, give thanks. Stop complaining. He says, it's a sin. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the… If we don't operate as a church we shut the spirit of god down then we expect this rock to work and then when we expect the rock to work and it doesn't work we get mad at the church and say what is the church doing what is the church doing how's the church not productive and powerful and doing great things when they say jesus christ is the head of it well we shut it down by shutting off the holy spirit you could have you could have a washer a dryer refrigerator all these things in your house don't pay electricity and none of it works Even the roaches recognize that. They show up. Air condition goes off. The house becomes this dead thing that you're trying to live in. Could you shut off the electricity? We shut off the Holy Spirit. The church becomes a dead thing that we're trying to get God out of. And we want to see change in communities. And the Bible is saying, can't change communities, can't make a difference in anything. If we don't make sure that the church, which is the rock that Jesus Christ has put in place, is functioning productively. So back to Matthew, he says this. He says, it's upon this rock. Ain't no other rocks. There's no other rocks, folks. I know we Republican, Democrats, Independents. I, I, I know we feel that we got this money and we, we, we could do dust stuff with the money we have or we, we got, you know, we're pretty solid in our education and in our ability. He says, that goes away. There's only one rock. I'm telling you today, living word, you could ignore church. I tell you out there, you could take church for granted. All you're doing is taking the Spirit of God out of society. So it dies. That's why you end up at gates of Hades. You want to overcome these problems, but you can't because you're ignoring the very thing that builds you. Look at this carefully. I will build whose church? My church. My church. You know, one thing I learned about folks, if they start giving a whole lot of money, they start thinking they got power. That's one thing I've learned about people and money and stuff, you know, like, I gave a lot of money to this church. You couldn't give it if you didn't have breath to go work the job. Or people that have been at a church a long time. Well, I've been here a long time. I'm going, okay, so have I. That still don't make me own it. I know your child for a long time, that don't make me the parent. I've known your child since it was down here. Does that mean that I'm the parent now? Could I walk around and say, well, I know your child since they were five years old. So I could tell you what to do with them. You would slap me upside my head. This is my child. God has owned this church for eternity. What is our 20 years, 30 years, 40 years in a church? He's been owning it forever, and he died to give birth to it. When did we die? There's one reason why I think that is huge for me. I used to get mad at my parents when guests come. They get the best food. They could sit in the living room that had plastic is taken off the couch, and they get to sit there. When I go to sit there, move from there. How come they get to sit there my mom goes in the cabinets and take out the best teaware and and the best plates and she's in the kitchen cooking forever and when i go to taste it what you my mother everything was like they came and you stuck in the bedroom can't move till they leave and then you get all these orders paul or whoever's else in the rest in the bedroom, bring this, bring that. You're like the slave walking over there. Yes, ma'am. You got to be polite or you die after they leave. You know, you go there, you go, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And you put it down, and you make sure you put it down just right. And you put it down, you better not spill it. You put it down just right, you get everything just right, and then you go back. You, I just felt like, why not just put on a black outfit, put a towel over my hand, and you stop calling me your child. Because that's how special they were. And I mean when they leave, you got to clean up behind them. God forgive me the thoughts that went through my mind. Especially when I got in trouble one time and a man came to tell my dad about it. one time, but another time. And came to tell my dad about it. And my dad invites the guy in, gives him, my mom brings him tea and cookies, and I show up at the house, you know, just having a blast with my friends, and and is this the son? Yes. Son, go in the room. What is this going on? This man said, what does he have to say over me? I'm your child. But he, this man, I've known him for a long time. He's a good man. I know, oh, hear nothing like that. You're going to whip me right now. Just get it over with. For some reason, when Christ says, my church, you are His children. This is His building. And what I do with it, what I do with you, is as if the same way I was responsible for guests says my church. I own it. It is all mine. And you dare not ever put your name to it. You can't find my name nowhere. Pastor Kennedy, said, what about the cornerstone? You're gonna put your name on the cornerstone? No, man. I ain't like eating like eat, I don't like eating grass like Nebuchadnezzar did. When we come into his building How many times have you gone to some place and you're at somebody else's house? You dress a certain way. You act different. If you and your wife didn't get along all the way to that dinner at somebody's house, you act like y'all are in love. (laughs) Like anything is just right. The car is clean. Your best clothes is on. All these different things. Why when we come to His church, we got issues. See, when we know we're invited to His church because we are part of His kingdom and we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, with foolishness in our hearts, doomed for hell, we should be running like David did to his church. How could we know that the Lord has His church and it is his church that he is inviting us into when he's taking care of us all week and when he is saying this is the only place that you could be built up. This is the only place that you could be developed spiritually. This is the only place that you could develop the inside spiritually to see the evil on the outside. This is the only place the word built up means I can develop you so spiritually when you're reading the Bible it makes sense because the Holy Spirit is helping you to understand it. It's the only place that you could get wisdom from so when you go home to make decisions i give you wisdom right from here when you are going home and you're trying to ask me for money this is the place from which i bless you so how in the world when i invite you to some place that builds you up and it's my place if i'm important to you if i'm somebody significant to you why is it i gotta make you come when when the job tell you to come in you there when your best friend invites you over, you there. When somebody important invites you to dinner, you there. If the president of America invites you to the White House, you are flying there as fast as you can. You got somebody else's earrings on. You got some new person's else dress. You could be somebody else's suit, but you're gonna look good. Because you at the White House. Why does God, when he said, this is my house, my church, I died for it. I rose from the dead. I'm the one who sustains your life. Why does he have to make us come? Why does he have to convince us to come? We don't respect him. We respect the money of the job. We respect the friendships that we have. We respect the White House. But we don't respect him. So when he said, this is my church, this is my place, we're the only place I'm going to reside in, the only place that I will ever make an impact in, because it's the rock for all the world. We ignore it. We ignore it. That's why he says this. (laughs) He says, and I say to you, look at verse 18. And I say to you, that upon my, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, 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 folks, watch this carefully. got to watch this. The gates. Where are the gates? He didn't say in the lake of fire. He said Hades. So if a sinner, when a sinner dies, they go to Hades. Let's just say Hades is here and the lake of fire is there. They know they're going there, but they're in Hades first. Satan's demons have not been cast into the lake of fire. They're in Hades. So Hades, what Hades was in their minds when they look at it as Jews, is that they did not get a trash truck to come pick up the trash. They took the trash to a dump. And the dump constantly burned. They would put the trash in the dump and it would just burn, 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 burn. So it never stopped burning because everybody keeps putting trash in there. And the more you feed a fire, guess what? It fires. So they're constantly seeing what they would call Hades. What he's saying is, the gates of Hades, meaning that Satan is a place of death, is a place where trash is dumped. What he's saying is, Satan's death campaign starts in Hades. So when he came to kill, to steal, and destroy, he's coming out of Hades because he's trying to bring people back to it. And the place that prevents them from ever being able to come to it is the place that gives life. So if the church keep existing, people get saved. If the church keep it existing, people don't let him corrupt them because they're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If the church keep functioning, people get healed so he can't destroy them with disease. If the church keep existing, then the church is going to operate from a biblical perspective and the word does not return void. So if I'm going to be successful in bringing people to Hades, the place I have to attack is the church. I can't attack just anything else because I already own it. In 1 John chapter 5, he says, Satan is the prince of the earth. I already own that. So I don't have to attack it because I got it. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, he's the prince of the air. If I want to create a storm and destroy stuff, I could do that. I already own it. So the place I don't own, because it's my church, he says, before he ever says Hades, he says my church. The only place that I got to attack is the church. You ever see how much demonic activity takes place when Christ is on earth? Look at the Old Testament and see if you see the same kind of activity. You don't. How many times have you seen a major prophet taken away by Satan to be tempted? Don't. The person you see is Jesus. Because if I could get Jesus, while he has human flesh on him, the only potential I can make this man sin is when he has human flesh. So I'm going to do everything I can to cause him to sin. Because the minute he does, salvation is erased. And when salvation is erased, there's no hope for the Gentiles. And if there's no hope for the Gentiles, I could drag folk in Hades as much as I want. And that's why he says, Satan got many gates. And that's why he kept attacking Christ all the way to the cross. What's he do to Christ? I'm going to nail you. Now, folks, hear me, hear me. Satan has many gates. There's COVID. There's storms. There are earthquakes. Because he's talking about death. Death. There is all kind of disease that enters our body. Death. So Satan comes from Hades. His whole mission is death. So that's why you have so much death. Why are people dying? Satan came to kill, to steal, to destroy. Why are we asking why there's so much death? That's what he came to do. And he comes through many gates. So he uses many means to do it many means. And He's coming after the church. How are people dying in the church? He's coming after the church. If I can get this Christian person who walks with God to die, then what are people going to say? She walked with God, she's dead, so what am I going to church for? So I have to destroy the people in the church because then I take the light out of the world. I take the salt out of the world. And when I take the light and the salt out of the world that I already own, I can destroy it more. And Christ is saying, because the victory is now in your hands, I'm going to give you the keys. Oh, walk with me, folks. Walk with me. I'm going to give you the keys. No, 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 Jesus. Keep the keys and open and lock the gates for us. No. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know everything. Destroy Satan so he never gets anywhere. He's already destroyed. That's why I could let Satan come to me and and announce stuff with Job. What could he do? Satan could not mess up my holiness when he came. Satan could not impact me negative when he came. No, because I'm God but I'm going to give you the keys. Now folks, there's four things here real quick about what these keys mean. Pay attention, because he wants to come to the church and pronounce death. I mean, there's several ways he could do it. Let me give you some examples. First thing in the process is, Satan can use different things that the church folk do to create death. Oh, come on, you're crazy. I'm serious. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 32 says that if we come to the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, some of us get sick and some of us what? Die. So if I come to the Lord's Supper and I'm taking it like I don't care, the Bible says Satan wants that attitude before I get here. He wants me to come full of sin and don't care about what God got to say. Do what I want to do, what I want to do, and take the Lord's Supper. So what? I'm a Christian. This is what I do. And the Bible says when Satan sees that, he he holds us to that rebellious spirit and we die. 1 John chapter 5. There's a sin that leads to death in the church. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. There was a man who was sleeping with his stepmother. He was in the church. Folk don't want to do nothing about it because we want to have church, man. We want to sing. We want to have a good old time. We don't want to deal with all of that. Come on, man, let's have a good time. Stop bringing up sin and talking about sin and talking about all these different things. Come on, listen, let's just have a good time. And Paul said, no, you don't. And then they removed the man from the church. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, bring him back so that Satan don't destroy him. Look at Matthew 18. There's gates and we have the keys. Look at verse 15. Satan is coming to the church to take out people. He is. Not going to dress it up. He wants to take people from here. That's why it's important for elders to live righteous. That's why it's important for your pastor to live right. That's why it's important for the Word of God to stay without being polluted. You see, to to everybody, okay, what's the big deal? No, 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 no. If you let sin run rampant in a church, Satan says, thank you. I could take these people out. So it's not about being self-righteous and, oh, everybody's sin. Why do I got to keep bringing it up? Because that's, if you don't keep the presence of God here, you just repeated what took place in the New Testament when Christ turned the tables upside down. And what happened in the New Testament? They got Roman oppression. What is Christ doing? Spending all his days healing sickness. What is Christ doing? Raising people from the dead. What is Christ doing? He's trying to help people to be, stop being destroyed. Why? They corrupted the temple. What does Satan do? Tear them up. That's what he's doing there. So if, if, if we don't take this serious, we see it smack dab in the New Testament, how Christ had to do so much work to keep people from falling apart. All day, all night, he worked. Because they turned away from God, that much death and decay took place. Because their gates... In Matthew 18, this is what he said. He said, verse 15, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, not somebody disagree with one another, saw it themselves. Every fact, every fact may be confirmed. That's what the Bible says. Don't move away from facts because then we are part of Satan, slanderers. You never walk away from facts. Don't care how emotional it gets. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you a tax collector. When he says church, he's saying, tell it to the leaders in the church. If you don't do this, he says, truly, I say to you, you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What is he talking about? Gates! I give you the keys So if you let this person keep sinning and you don't do nothing and you have the keys, you invited Satan in. And one leaven, unleavened a whole lump of dough. I've gotten criticized quite a bit about why you got to talk about homosexuality? Because it's a sin. And if you don't talk about a sin that the Bible calls (laughs) uh, stink fish in the heat of the summer, sitting in a bag in your garbage can, it's an abomination. It stinks bad in my nostrils. And you say, oh no, we just want to see the church grow. We don't want to talk about things like that. Christ says, you killed the work of the Holy Spirit. You took the keys, put them in some other place, and the gates can do what they want. So that's why he's always corrupting society so we could bring it home here. He's also saying this when it comes to gates and keys. Y'all still here? Y'all got quiet when I'm talking about this. This is, this is the victory in this. He says the key, says, means that we got the power. That's what I like about it. We got the power. We got the authority. That's why Paul would say, I know all your schemes, Satan. I ain't worrying about you. You could create all this noise of whippings and beatings and shipwrecks and jail cells, but I know your schemes because I got the key. <laughs> I like that. I got the key. Oh, man, it was embarrassing one day. You know, I, I was driving a car that needed a key. You Got to put the key in the ignition. And I had to take it in for service. I took it in for service. And when I took it in for service, the man gave me a car. And he says, here are the keys. So I got in the car, and I'm looking for where to put the key. And all I could see is start. So I pressed start, but it didn't start. I had to humble myself, walk back in there and say, this car doesn't start. He says, yeah, the car works. The car works, sir. It's only got like 300 miles on it. It's a new car. It starts. So I go back in the car with the key, press the start button. Didn't start. I go back again. It's really humbling. It was really humbling. Dr. Paul Cannings can't start the car. I go back in there, and I said, sir, I promise you, I got the key. I press start. He said, did you press the brakes? Oh, you got to do that. He goes, sir, you never drove a car like this before? Uh, Is that really a necessary question in front of anybody? (laughs) This is quite clear in front of anybody. You don't have to ask me that question in front of anybody. So I go back in there, press the brakes, press start, car starts up. Oh yeah, this is how you do this. But then I started thinking, I really don't need the key. So I left the key in my briefcase in my office. Go to the car and press the brakes and press start. Doesn't start. What is this? Now I'm so humble, I don't want to ask nobody. I'm like, no, this has got to work. I ain't going to ask nobody nothing. So I go back to the car and I'm going, you're going to start. I'm talking to the car like they're going to listen to me. You're going to start here. So I sat down and I pressed the button. It wouldn't start. I said, man, let me go get this key because this key doesn't, I don't, don't need a key. He said, I really don't need this key. So I go in the car, put the key in my pocket. The car starts, oh, I need the key. (laughs) Then I left the key in my briefcase. And I put the briefcase in the back of the trunk. And I'm standing by the door and I can't get in. Then I have to learn that you have to hold the key by the door. What I started recognizing is it doesn't matter what you push, doesn't matter what you touch, doesn't matter what brakes you hit, you got to have the key. So stop telling me I don't need the key. I need the key. I may not need to put it in the engine and in, in the ignition, but I always need the key. God is saying, yes, you may have gotten fancy and you may be flying in planes, you you may be driving nice cars, you may be living in all kinds of different places. But when you get to the doctor, when you start needing wisdom, when you start needing help, when you start needing a transformation in your life, when you start needing strength to make it through the day, when you start needing your marriage to work, when you start needing to raise your kids, when you start needing to hold on to a job, when you start needing protection from COVID, you got to have the key. Bible is saying, and the only place I'm going to put that is in the church can't find that in politicians you can't find that in governors you can't find that in presidents you can't find that in secular people on their news channels talking all day you can't find it there you can only find it in one place the word of god led by the holy spirit who's the illuminator that teach you who is the christ a person who can lead you to understand who christ is he says that person that builds you up that illuminates the scriptures that makes it clear that person is the rock that provides you the key to understand what to do and unless you do it there Satan can unleash his gates folks it's the bad thing about trying to teach through this is you time becomes your enemy so let's look at this last part here kind of want to back up and teach you all this next week Because if we don't learn this, we will take the most important organism for granted. If there's anything I taught my my boys, you don't mess with God or you don't mess with family. You don't. I didn't care what was going on. I would be at their school. Something is wrong, I'm here. I remember the day when Pierre got a shot that backfired on him. Backfired on him. An allergy shot that put him on an emergency room on a bed. I canceled every meeting. I drove so fast. I said, God, I'm breaking the law. This is not a good prayer. But please see at the end of it, my son, I can't get stopped right now. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We, we, we can't have any emergency room right now. If you got my son in there, you do. So, but we, I, I promise I'll give you the space. I need you to work on my son. But I got to go see my son. I gotta see my son. I got to hold him and I got to pray with him. We don't touch family. Nobody get in the middle of that. I don't care who they are. We family. See, folks, one of the things we allow people to corrupt is the church. We allow people to talk about it, beat it down, talk bad about preachers. What we're doing is, the Bible says, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you're not standing in the way of a sinner. Does not sit in the seat of a scoffer. But you must make a decision that the law, that the light in God's word, because that's the key. Satan has to destroy this for the gates to come loose. The minute the church is raptured, you got the tribulation period. Gates. I conclude with this. We're out of time. Go back to Matthew 16 Will not overpower it. I'll see God's wisdom as if I come back here next week, I don't know. It will not, please on the line. Double on the line. It will not overpower it. You have the keys. You unlock this gate. Why do you unlock it if a person continues to sin and not listen? You cast them to Satan. So you unlock it and you release them to Satan. But then you close it back. You better not open it and leave it open. He don't need a whole lot of space to get to you. Lock it. He says you lock it. And when you lock it, I don't care how many gates he has. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If God is for you, who could stand against you? Be anxious for nothing. You are Even when you're broke, you, I'll teach you to be content. It doesn't matter what you're going through. I can give you the power from within. Because the minute you keep the keys and use them to whatever gate Satan has, he says, there's no way he could ever break the gates down and walk in the church door. I will stand there because whatever you bind earth I am in heaven going you can't touch living word fellowship church you can't touch this person you can't touch that person the doctors may say this but I'm gonna tell you when I said what I'm gonna do because nothing could overpower this here's a powerful thing if God decides that he's gonna take somebody home he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord even in death hades don't prevail even in death hades can't get you because the minute you take your last breath i immediately you in my presence you don't go through hades first satan ain't got nothing to do with this first you're immediately into my presence because this power is so powerful that even in death it can't touch you so when it came to death for me on the third day i rose from the dead and while i was in the grave i told the folks in hades you're doomed for hell you're going to stay here forever why because the power is in my hands nothing to stop it because i'm the rock you know and you look at a football team You always wonder why the defense is chasing the quarterback. Why is the defense chasing the running back? Why is the defense chasing the wide receiver? Or whoever has the ball? Because what? They got the ball. (laughs) And whoever has the ball gets tackled. The Bible is saying that's why Satan comes after the church, because guess what? We got the key. Why is Satan coming after the church? Why is Satan doing this? Because we got the key. And Jesus Christ is the quarterback. And Jesus Christ already got up from the grave. So the only people he could chase is you and me because we got the key. You don't need to chase Christ because Christ already got up from the grave. But he got to chase us. So that's why he said, why am I struggling so much? You don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You wrestle with principalities and powers. He's constantly chasing you. But the gift of encouragement is in the church. The gift of wisdom is in the church. The gift of helps is in the church. The gift of blessings financially comes from the church. The gift of God watching over you and protecting you comes from the church. So no matter what he's throwing at you, no matter how many times he may tackle you, if God is for you, who can be against you? Trust the rock. Let us stand.